Welcome to our podcast, Breathe In, Write Out, a podcast for high school, college, and university students about making the most out of academic life. We touch on study skills, student life, career transition, overall well-being, personal development, and other topics that impact young adults. At the end of each podcast, we send our listeners off with a short guided meditation and writing prompt. We hope that through these discussions, meditations, and writing exercises, we can build an open, caring, compassionate community that supports personal growth. I'm Lisa Fow, the founder and CEO of Fow Academic Writing, where we focus on teaching young adults the communication skills necessary to reach their full potential on the page and in life. I'd like to welcome my co-host and namesake, Lisa Monk. Thanks, Lisa P. What a great name. You can call me Lisa M for short. I'm a recent psychology graduate from the University of Toronto, and I also work with Lisa P as the creative marketing assistant at FAO Academic Writing. Get into a cozy spot, grab your pen and notebooks, and let's meet our first guest. This week's podcast is about applying to grad school during COVID-19. We thought this topic would be useful to discuss as the application process has been affected by the current situation. Today, we'll be interviewing Iwei Jin, a grad school admissions coach at FAO Academic Writing. Iwei recently graduated with the Masters of Arts in Political Science from the University of Toronto, specializing in Asian studies and comparative politics. He is currently interning at the Asia Pacific Foundation in Vancouver until he starts law school at the U of T in the fall. He loves helping students get ahead by identifying areas of improvement and working to enhance their ability to write creative and effective application letters. Welcome Iwei to our podcast, Breathe In, Write Out. So let's get started. Um, Why don't you tell us a little bit about the changes that you've noticed in the grad school application process? Sure. Uh, hi, listeners to the podcast. Um, Yue. Um, so, in terms of what's changed for the grad school application process, there's a couple of things. So, the first thing is um, basically that the, some grad schools are evaluating students' GPA differently. Now that students aren't, perhaps some students aren't having um, the, the fall or sorry, winter term classes um, graded as, uh, as they were before. Um, some of the grading um, in different schools have been affected. So graduate schools with that in mind um, are, are changing that. Um, so that, that's the first thing. Sorry, were you saying something? I was saying, what, so what does that mean their grading has changed and like why are they doing that? Right, so I think schools are cognizant of the fact that students, um, when they're um, coming out of this pandemic, their grades are going to be affected, whether it's because schools are you know, some schools are, aren't, are just giving pass or fail grades to their students during this winter term. Um, other schools are still, you know, still giving out the grades, but then the students might not be doing as well because of all this, the, the, the mess that's happening, right? Because people are having their classes canceled and, you know, some, some classes are online, but then the grading is affected. So that's yeah. why grad schools are doing that. Um, okay. But not all grad schools are doing it. So that's the thing. You have to check with the schools and see what exactly they're doing. So like, what could somebody do uh, if they found out, you know, because I have a few students, since the exams were online and the course was online, um, they actually seem to do better 
because they didn't have to travel to school. Um, they had more time to sort of prepare for the final exam. A lot of the finals were more assignment based, so they tended to do better than that, the ones the ones that had exam anxiety. So their grades were were better. So I mean what can what can someone do who's feeling, you know, pretty confident, wow, I did well in this uh, winter term. And then hearing what you said is now discouraged <laughs> about their right. chance to get into grad school. Well, so here's the thing, right? I think schools are having these, the, the schools are also coming up with these, these guidelines on the fly. Um, so I think they come in with the assumption that, um, you know, grading across the board are affected and students' performance across the board are also affected. So some, what some of them are doing is that they're just taking that out of the calculation. So if you by chance are doing better than before, then, you know, um, the only way you can find that out is if you can email the, uh, the school that you're thinking of. If that school is no longer looking at the winter grade, you can email their admissions officer and see if there's any exceptions. But um, it's what the schools are choosing to do. And then, you know, if that, if that negatively affects you, I, I think. Maybe you could either take that and then, you know, enhance some other aspects of the application. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I um, think, yeah, go ahead, Lisa. Uh, speaking of applications, I was wondering, in your experience with helping students apply to graduate school, what do you think is the most important part of the application process? Um, so applica the application is usually made up of a few parts, right? There is the transcripts which we just mentioned, um, part of it is affected. Um, and then there's the writing part, which is sometimes there's a personal statement, sometimes there's a research proposal, or uh, however the grad school decides to call it. So that, that's the writing component. Sometimes there's also a writing sample. Mm -hmm. And then there's the reference letters. So those three are typically the three main components of the, of the application process. And, um, no, sorry, Lisa, can you re repeat the question that you just asked? I was wondering, in <laughs> your opinion, what's the most important part, or I suppose what part of the application process is the most difficult that students might want to focus more attention on? Right, so I think by the time that you're applying to grad school, um, the transcripts are, you know, at least partly finished, right? There's no, um, you can't really go back in time and, and change your course grades, but the reference letters and the um, the writing samples or, or the, the personal uh, statements are something that the students can do something about um, at this point. And especially the, um, I think the most immediate thing that they can do, and, and I, I do think the most important thing that can help them stand out among the pool of applicants is the personal statement or the research proposal. Mm -hmm. because, because I think, you know, um, of course, the transcript is really important, but then at this point, I think what you can change is the personal statement or the or the um, research proposal. So, like, what do you think? Make I I agree with you, and you know, I also help students with this. Um, so, I'm interested. What do you think can help someone stand out if if there were like maybe two or three pieces of advice you would give a friend 
who is going to apply to a master's or a PhD program and they, they were stumped. Like, how do I write this personal statement? What, what would be two or three things you would say, you know, you really need to think about these two or three things? Um, I think the first thing with anything is to start early and keep in mind that this is, this might be a small piece of writing. No, it's, it's some, some schools have a really short um, section where you just fill in. Sometimes it's no more than a page. Right. Um, so it's a really short piece of writing, but then that shouldn't um, make you think that you can just maybe spend a day on it and then be done with it. The, the first thing is always to start early. Um, while yeah. keeping in mind that this is going to be a long writing process because among all the things that you can write, writing about yourself is going to be the, one of the most difficult things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, so, so keep in mind that this, is, this writing process is going to take you through many drafts. Uh, you're going to be writing this for many times over, sometimes more than 10 times. Um, yeah. So for that reason, you need to start early, right? I, I would say that's the yeah. most thing, most start important early. thing. That's um, the most important thing, start early. <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> what about content? I, I think you have, to, I think it's a start early because people don't realize that, okay, it's a 300 word essay. Yeah. But it's actually easier to write a thousand words on a topic than, than 300 words on the same topic. Mm -hmm. Because when you get down to 300 words, you have to be very precise in right. the language you're using, which is why it's really beneficial to have someone like Eway um, to look over your, your drafts and give you that kind of feedback and that kind of, you know, substantive editing. Because it is a very challenging um, process, application process. But... So, yeah, start early, you know, maybe get some extra help, whether it's your friend, um, a professor, if they're willing to look it over, some hired help like us. But what about the content? And, you know, at least I feel like you could jump in here because I, I'm not, I think, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong. We haven't introduced Lisa because you know, actually she would be introduced in the intro of the podcast, <laughs> but um, she just finished her undergrad. And I think, I forget, who are we talking to? I think it's our next guest next week, Rob. And he was asking about future plans. And I think Lisa was thinking about maybe going to grad school um, in the future. So, like, are there some things you would want to know, Lisa, other than kind of starting early about content? Um, I think, like, overall, the process of applying to grad school intimidates me a bit. And I think as someone who, I guess, wants to showcase my abilities to the people who are doing that process, like, in ways other than my academic achievements, I was wondering what advice you had for collecting references? Right. So I guess that's two separate things, right? The one thing is the, the content for the personal statement and the other part is um, you know, related to reference letters. Is that correct? Sure. So why don't yeah, you so, comment on both of those? Sure. So uh, to tackle the first issue in terms of the content, um, 
because yeah, personal statement is what it what what its name suggests. It's it's supposed to be personal. Um, and you're in in this statement, you're uh, trying to showcase some other aspects of, of of who you are, other than your grades. So that's the first thing to keep in mind is that um, you are already submitting your transcripts. You right. don't need to talk about your grades in your personal statement. Yeah. You don't need to say you know how diligent of a student you are because that that shows through your yeah. transcript. Um, so the personal statement is really, if you are writing one instead of the research proposal, um, it's really a place for you to showcase who you are as a person and the qualities that would make you a good applicant. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, words are cheap. So <laughs> I think the fir uh, first thing to, uh, in, in terms of the content is always to think of actual things that you have done or yeah. actual examples of who you are or what you can do. Right. Um, so start from there. Start from concrete examples. Start from talking about what you actually did instead of who you are or like, you know, talking about how hardworking you are. Yeah. Like I know some applications do have a component where they want a CV, depending on what kind of program you're applying to and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And I always think uh, for students, even if that's not something that's required by the program, it's worth putting that together to help you to pull ideas for your personal statement. Because I, I don't, I mean, I don't know what you, you're, we're kind of on the same wavelength, I think. And I think it's a, it's, I think what you're talking about is like, you know, if, if someone just says, Hey, I have this skill, like excellent research skills, which is a, a, a very relevant skill for grad school is different than talking about some major research project and how you went about it in your personal statement. Exactly. Right? Yep. Because, as you said, words are cheap. Anyone can say, I have excellent research skills. But, you know, really smart people are reading this personal statement. So you have to be able to prove it. Okay. So... Good. So I guess what you're saying there with the content is, um, I liked your two points. One is, you know, don't go back to your grades and transcript because they already have that, but really use this as um, a supplemental piece of information. And to, um, I guess, you know, make sure the information you're putting in there it, are real life examples and not just general kind of comments. So uh, how, just to kind of tie up this conversation about content, we don't want to say too much about it because it's hard because we don't have, it's different for each person. But you mentioned something about, um, I think, uh, helping the, per making yourself stand out. Mm -hmm. So like how, you know, application committees get stacks and stacks and stacks of applications. Yep. What's something someone can do to make themselves stand out? Because everyone's going to be highlighting similar skill sets. Mm -hmm. Right? Uh, yeah, so that's an interesting question because I think, you know, some, sometimes it can be a bit cyclical because we've been talking about two things. We've been talking about the sort of the style of writing and getting somebody to proofread your, your writing. Uh -huh. um, and the other part is the content, right? So similarly for the applic application, uh, the, the person who's reading your application, they're also basically looking at two things. The one thing is, um, are you a good writer? And right. 
the the what I mean by that is, are you a clear writer? Yeah. So do the ideas in your um, personal statement or research proposal do they flow? You know, do they connect logically from one to the other? Mm -hmm. And I think this is where something that uh, something that we can really help with. Yeah. You know, finding someone to actually make sure that your writing comes across as clear to the person who's reading. Right. Because um, sometimes because, when mm -hmm. you write it, it makes sense in your head. And someone else reads it and they're like, what? I, I don't get this logic. How are you jumping from this idea to that idea? So that, that second or third set of eyes is really helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, so um, keep in mind that when you're um, writing these applications and the person who's reading them, they're going to read, you know, hundreds of applications and people, um, you know, writing is a really underrated skill and people don't realize that. So they're going to come across some, you know, um, writing samples or some uh, personal statements that are really badly written. Um, mm -hmm. So just the fact that your yours is good and yours looks clear is going to, you know, uh, I think it's really going to boost your chances mm -hmm. in that regard. But the other thing is, you know, going back to the earlier point on content is um, just having, you know, so, so basically you have to choose what to include in these statements. Um, yeah. what, what is it that makes you different? Um, so you want to avoid things that might, you know, be commonplace. Um, but what does that mean? Mm -hmm. What that means is that you're gonna, you know, I think Lisa, <laughs> Lisa Thao. <M. laughs> yeah, there's Lisa P. That's me, and then yeah. there's the M. So you can just call us Lisa M or Lisa P. Okay. Well, Lisa P. Earlier mentioned uh, the CV. Yeah. And the fact that putting one together can really help with the content. And, yeah. and I do think that, you know, going through, going over what you did earlier, whatever it might be, it might be a previous um, employment, might be previous research project, mm -hmm. and really finding that piece of evidence that shows that you went above and beyond what other people would have done. Yeah. And, and you know, it's tricky because you're competing with other overachievers. It's true. <laughs> you have to go above and beyond another overachiever, which is which is tricky. Mm. Yeah. But I think, yeah, so if you, if you have those concrete details, I think you're already ahead of others because other people, some of them really write in platitudes. Mm -hmm. And yeah. Yeah, and then, I mean, I don't, I don't know about you. I know you're quite a good writer because I mean, I've seen your writing and stuff um, through the hiring process and um, easy to read, good flow, you know, interesting stuff. I also saw some of your articles on LinkedIn that you've been writing for the Asia Pacific Foundation. Um, but I, I think what we haven't talked about, and like Lisa M, feel, Lisa M is also a good writer. She's, she's oh, so quiet you. over there. So I'm sure she can chime in here on this discussion of writing. I mean, I... I think we've really um, touched on the technical parts of the application, but I think there is a creative component that can help your application to stand out. And I mean, both of you can comment on this. Um, like in my experience, and me and Eway have a little bit in common, but back in the day when I did my grad school, which was 15 years ago, 
China was not as cool as it is now. And I kind of positioned myself as like, you know, I'm going to be this China expert and I'm going to write about property rights because this is a new thing happening in China. And so the different applications, scholarship, grad school, whatever, I sort of created an identity for myself and then marketed myself based on that identity. Um, so I don't know if that's kind of like, if you were trying to get to that at all, or you would agree with me, Iwei. I think that's one component. And I think another component to being a good writer, um, whether it's in applications or essays, uh, because for anyone going to grad school, even if you're an engineer, you do have to publish papers. And so writing is important. Um, and you do have to apply to <laughs> to your engineering graduate program. Um, there is something about learning to be a little bit more creative and maybe putting in, taking a risk, doing something a little bit more creative, like telling a personal story to start off your application to get the reader's attention. Maybe a quote, maybe a statistic, like to have some idea of the story you're trying to tell, because really it's about telling a story. I don't know. How do the two of you feel about that? I mean, Lisa hasn't applied for grad school yet, but she's, I'm sure, applied for other things. What are your kind of thoughts on that, Iway? Would you recommend the same thing or totally disagree? The, uh, Lisa M, do you want to jump in first or? Um, sure. Like, I agree with a lot of what Lisa P said. Um, I think personally, I'm pretty confident in my technical writing abilities, but I definitely struggle more with the creative side of things. I was wondering if you had any tips on, I guess, how to show your personality while still staying professional. Mm -hmm. um, right. So what Lisa P earlier said um, was the sort of the narrative component of writing, right? You're sort of in the personal statement, you're sort of constructing, you're, you're tying your different experiences together and helping you really make sense of it, basically. Right, yeah. sort of, sort of identifying this common theme, and if you can sort of summarize yourself in one sentence, that kind of deal. That's one thing. Um, but I think that comes during the writing process. Um, so if you start out wanting to, you know, trying to start from a theme, that might, like, in my personal experience, that doesn't work as well. Because during, during the writing process, different things do come up. Yeah, so we have two opposite ways of doing things. <laughs> interesting, that's interesting. There are different, people have different processes. Yeah, okay, so explain this. Explain your process. Right, so when, so I, I can, you know, think of when I was writing my personal statement for law school. Um, I basically laid out all the different things that I could be talking about. You know, my experience, for example, I uh, went and taught in Korea, uh, taught English in Korea. That's okay. one thing, you know, I, I studied political science. That's another thing. Yeah. I am a not so recent immigrant. That's another thing. Mm -hmm. Right. So kind of just trying out different, you know, writing different little passages and seeing if they work, if I like them, you know, um, and if I do like certain things together, then I think I, I pull out a, a thread 
So if I if I want to emphasize the fact that I'm, uh, uh, for example, if I can if I have overcome difficulties of language barriers in the past, mm -hmm. you know, I emphasize two elements. I emphasize my uh, my status as an immigrant, but I also emphasize the fact that I went and uh, taught English in Korea, right? For a, for someone for a Chinese speaker to eventually be taught be teaching English as a native speaker yeah. in Korea, that's yeah. one narrative, right? And if I want to emphasize the narrative, then I sort of maybe de-emphasize the aspect of me as a political science student. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So yeah, yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, that's, think, that's sort of my process. I think I would go through that process with the person, but by discussing their experiences and then like identifying maybe some themes or like some things that would be tied together so that's interesting i know some people like you know i'm very much an outline type person and some and other writers they have to i have a student for example she has to free write everything out like all her mm -hmm. thoughts and everything and then from that she can start to create like an outline so it, it's interesting because people's brains and creative processes are a little bit different and I think that's a good point that there's really no formula for writing the personal statement. There are definitely things that can improve it, you know, once if someone takes a look at it, but there's no like do A, B, and C and you're going to produce a really good personal statement. It kind of depends on the person's experience, you know, their own kind of writing style, what are their long-term goals, all that kind of stuff and i think that's why it's important if you're getting some sort of help to have someone who's flexible and can kind of adapt to your style and understand the process anyway that's just a yeah. thought did you but, have any, do you want to lisa did you want eway to go back to the um question about references because i thought that was a good um yeah i was wondering if you could just briefly touch upon the basics of references, maybe about how many someone applying would want to have and what kinds. Mm -hmm. Alright, so it depends on the school. Right? Some schools ask for two, um, some schools ask for four. So first of all, it's really important to just check with the school. I think, you know, um, these days two is more common than four, but just two. Yeah. That, that's where you start with because that, you know, based on that number, you go ahead and find the professors that are going to write you the, those reference letters, right? Um, but I, it also depends on what stage. Um, Lisa, you're yourself are finished with graduate, sorry, uh, undergrad, right? Um, yes. Right, so um, that would be different uh, compared to, for example, someone who's just going through undergrad and they can, you know, if they have that mentality of, I'm gonna get some reference letters, they, mm -hmm. they might be more, in, you know, they might spend more effort to interact with their professors. Mm -hmm. um, but for so for someone like you, it's really about um, thinking back in terms of you know who are all of your professors, <laughs> and you know the level of you know how familiar you are with them and how familiar they are with you. Because it really is a it's a two way street. Because uh, in my opinion, right, I think there's two basic sort of um, conditions for a good reference source. The first one is that they need to know you well. You need to have a body of work that they can make reference to. 
either it's um, you know if there was a research project that you work with them or were you doing some other type of work for them or were you a good you know discussion leader in class or did you go to their office hours really frequently those are all of the things that they can talk about in their uh, reference letters and these are concrete details they can talk about instead of just like generic things that this is a good, yeah. good student. Mm -hmm. So you really need to make sure that they have something to talk about you. And that's the first thing. Um, the second thing is that that professor or that um, whoever that person is, they need to have an established, ideally they need to have an established record of teaching other students. And practically oh, that means yeah, that they, because otherwise they can't really convincingly argue that this is a good student compared to other people because I haven't had that much experience in the academic setting, right? Plus, sometimes a lot of, in my experience, um, like when I was applying to the States, um, I, I guess we can say Professor Falkenheim. <laughs> uh -huh. He's a really old professor in Chinese politics, really been there a long time. And the professors in the States know of him. Also, he went to Princeton, so he's originally American. So if they were looking at an application, they recognize him. But if it's a new person in Chinese politics, especially if they were educated completely in Canada, didn't have any experience in the States, and you're applying to a school in the States, they're kind of like, okay, who's, who's this person? You know, so even going beyond, are they, do they have a lot of teaching experience? But really, some professors are better connected than other professors. So if you're sort of mm -hmm. starting out in undergrad, and this is something you're thinking about, like, it's good to get to know more about these professors but not in a selfish way because they can figure that out but in a like you know i'm really interested in this person and their class and what they do and to build a relationship with them yeah. i think yeah i think the i mean the sort of the difference between approaching them selfishly and approaching them in a in a good way is that you, you have to have content right yeah it has to be related to what they teach or what you're interested in academically Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So we have only just a few minutes. This is such a good discussion, but we have only a few minutes left. So since, you know, Lisa M's pretty quiet over there, I just wanted to check in and see, do you have any other things you want to ask Eway before we have to wrap up? Um, I don't have any more questions, but I just wanted to say that I agree it's been a really good discussion. I think I learned a lot and I feel more confident now going forward to apply to graduate school and I hope our listeners also feel that way. Um, thank you, Yue, for being on our show today. Um, how can our listeners find out more about your work at Bao Academic Writing? Yeah, so uh, I mean, there's, we have a website it's at uh, www.pfau.ca. Mm -hmm. We're also on social media. So if you uh, went with our um, the name, Thao Academic Writing, you can probably find us on uh, Facebook and Instagram, Twitter, that kind of stuff. Yeah, also, um, Eway has a really, if you want to find out more about Eway, you can go to LinkedIn and look at his very impressive profile um, in terms of his academic and writing credentials. And he also has a bio on our webpage, 
So we didn't tell you everything about him. <laughs> you can go read more about him and find out what he looks like. Yeah, read all of my articles. <laughs> yeah, read all your articles. So, um, yeah, thanks so much. This was a really great talk, and I hope it helped a lot of students. And I'm sure we'll hear some more from you in the future. I know there's some videos we're posting with tips related to COVID. And um, if there's interest, we might do a Q&A with Eway. Thank you for joining us today for our episode. And stay tuned for the second part of our podcast. We'll be featuring a relaxing meditation and a writing prompt to help you get more in tune with your inner thoughts. During this breathing meditation, you will focus on your breath. This will calm your mind and relax your body. There is no right or wrong way to meditate. Whatever you experience during breathing meditation is right for you. Don't try to make anything happen, just observe. Begin by finding a comfortable position, but one in which you will not fall asleep. Sitting on the floor with your legs crossed is a good position to try. Close your eyes or focus on one spot in the room. Roll your shoulders slowly forward and then slowly back. Lean your head from side to side, lowering your left ear towards your left shoulder and then your right ear toward your right shoulder. Relax your muscles. Your body will continue to relax as you meditate. Observe your breathing. Notice how your breath flows in and out. Make no effort to change your breathing in any way. Simply notice how your body breathes. Your body knows how much air it needs. Sit quietly, seeing in your mind's eye your breath flowing gently in and out of your body. When your attention wanders, as it will, just focus back again on your breathing. Notice any stray thoughts, but don't dwell on them. Simply let the thoughts pass. See how your breath continues to flow, deeply, calmly. Notice the stages of a complete breath. From the in-breath, to the pause that follows, the exhale, and the pause before taking another breath. See the slight breaks between each breath. Feel the air entering through your nose. Picture the breath flowing through the cavities in your sinuses and then down to your lungs. As thoughts intrude, allow them to pass and return your attention to your breathing. See the air inside your body after you inhale, filling your body gently. Notice how the space inside your lungs becomes smaller after you exhale and the air leaves your body. Feel your chest and stomach gently rise and fall with each breath. Now as you inhale, count silently, one. As you exhale, count, one. Wait for the next breath and count again, 
one. Exhale, one. Inhale, one. Exhale, one. Continue to count each inhalation and exhalation as one. Notice how your body feels. See how calm and gentle your breathing is and how relaxed your body feels. Now it is time to gently reawaken your body and mind. Keeping your eyes closed, notice the sounds around you, feel the floor beneath you, feel the clothes against your body, wiggle your fingers and toes, shrug your shoulders, open your eyes and remain sitting for a few moments longer Straighten out your legs and stretch your arms and legs gently. Sit for a few moments more, enjoying how relaxed you feel and experiencing your body reawaken and your mind returning to its usual level of alertness. Slowly return to standing position and continue with the rest of your day feeling re-energized. Hi everyone. Thanks for listening to our discussion with Yue Jin, our grad school application coach at FAO Academic Writing. He had a lot of great things to say and I feel like we could have talked for some time on that topic. So maybe we'll have him back another day and do feel free to send us any questions you have and we can tailor a podcast around those questions. In the meantime, I want to move on to the third part of our podcast, the creative writing or writing prompts, since we did talk a lot about writing. So that's something you can work on in your own time. Today's prompt is around the idea of gifts, because we were talking about in the application process, it's really important to identify your unique gifts. So I thought I'd give you a little writing exercise related to that. This writing exercise is going to start with a poem by Rupi Carr. And then I'm going to follow with three prompts. I'll give you about 30 seconds between prompts. And again, you can listen to this again on your own time and try it if you need a little bit more time than 30 seconds. So I will start with the poem. The universe took its time on you crafted you to offer the world something different from everyone else. When you doubt how you were created, you doubt an energy greater than us both. So your first writing prompt is, what gifts has the universe bestowed upon you? What gifts have the universe bestowed upon you? And you can use bullet points or full sentences or a poem. I'll give you about 30 seconds. And moving on to our second writing prompt. So just wrap up your last thought there. The second writing prompt is, how are you currently using these gifts? 
Maybe you're not. But some of them you might be using. So how are you currently using these unique gifts? I'll give you about 30 seconds. Okay, about five more seconds. Kind of wrap it up. And moving on to our third writing prompt. What, or sorry, where are there untapped opportunities to use these gifts during COVID? So we're in a crisis, but there's a great Chinese saying that is, and, and essentially the same word for opportunity and crisis, it's the same. So, um, in this current COVID crisis, where are there opportunities to use these unique gifts? And again, I'll give you about 30 seconds and then we're going to say goodbye. So that's it. Thanks so much, everyone, for joining us today on our podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's show on applying for grad school during COVID. To find out more about FAO academic writing, you can check out our website at www.fao.ca or follow us on social media at FAO underscore academic writing. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and we now have a page on LinkedIn. And we also have a great newsletter that you can sign up for through our website. So check that out. And remember to come back next week. We'll be doing our podcast on creating your virtual study space at home during COVID with guest Robert Cairns, who is an IT guru. If you need any extra support with your academic studies or writing skills, send us a message anytime. We look forward to helping you reach your full potential on the page and in life. Take care and stay safe, guys. Bye.